I'ma say what I feel And I promise to keep it real Welcome to the Red Room Diminishing the doubts are behind ya It's hard to grind in the business Got me stressed in the rent room We let that shit up off our chest You know the street nerd has got no time for no caca Sass in class, yes they used to bowl a kaja Never have to guess when you're listening to Hilliard He gon' bring more game than a shark playing billiards It's all about the crap of screenwriting It's exciting when you turn an outline into something enlightening Your pen and words are like bullets in a gun Write what you feel, say what you want Welcome to the rent room What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Hilliard Guest, and you guys are listening to the Screenwriters Rant Room, where we keep it real, we keep it opinionated, we keep it what, y'all? Wakanda. Wakanda. Hey. What? Hey, in two weeks, we're going to hit a billion. Oh, God. I now own, I own stock in Disney. I'm just letting y'all know. <laughs> As many, I went again yesterday. Where my 10%, damn it. <laughs> Anywho. So y'all know how we do it on the Rant Room. On this show, we discuss entertainment, TV, film, music, culture, but our focus is always screenwriting, stories, craft, Mm -hmm. and shit like that. Mm -hmm. So we can cuss on this show, girl. (laughs) Fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) So back again. Yes. Back again. That's my girl, Lisa Belakaja. Back on Where you been at? I, I have been busy. You need to apologize to some of the damn people been emailing me, where Lisa at? Oh they, they, the oh, they think that we don't have fallen out and you done booted me off the show and stuff. I've been getting them direct. Like, girl, what's on the show? It's like, I do have a life. Right. No, y'all, I've just been busy. I've just been busy. Uh, one was because uh, of a sad event that happened at my job. Right. One of my um, employees passed away. So it was kind of like, ah, uh, that kind of thing. And then after that, I was just at a panel. Like, I got back. The last time I was, I was supposed to come up, I had went to do the... Um, Tacumba Fest in San Diego that had an Afrofuturism panel and they had some writers come in Mm -hmm. and talk. And what was wonderful was that the women that they had on the panel were women that I grew up with when I used to work at Pyramid Books back in the day. So when I was coming into my (laughs) sci-fi-ish mindset, (laughs) these were like the elder sisters that were like, sister, you need to write. Because they were writing like poetry and historical stuff. And it's like, but that's the future. And they was (laughs) like... And they, they was like... But it was Powerful nice to group. see they them many, many the years later. <laughs> no, it was great to see them many years later and to see them. And then they were like, oh, and then there's like a ton of people who have quite. And I hadn't been at the Lyceum Theater right. in a long time. They got a bar in there now. <laughs> like I used, to, I used to be in the theater all the time. I didn't realize that they had re- renovated it and right. made it nice. And I'm like, y'all got like three bartenders and a good bar. <laughs> like they had the good top shelf liquor. I was like, Maker's I, Mark. I need to come down to see my Shakespeare plays. I ain't been in Lyceum in a long time. Usually I have some really great plays right. but I just travel a lot so it was like nice to, it was a nice homecoming right. and it was nice to reconnect with a lot of people <laughs> and of course you already read my article that was in Sci-Fi oh, Wire so you gotta check this out okay tell, tell about it okay right. look tell so it. y'all know black people right in the diaspora <laughs> Marvel and Disney says thank you because we carry Black Panther yes, for did. two and a half years mm-hmm. now I got a little testy 
<laughs> Don't you always listen? Listen. So shout out, shout out to Black Girl Nerds. But Jamie and them had a, a, a young man on her who's part of the marketing. He's like one of the marketing executives from Marvel, and they were talking about how the success of their marketing and how we had like they bitch, did it. Bitch, no, <laughs> I'm not going to say his name, but y'all can go on Black Girl Nerds and read the interview. And I was like, y'all want to take some credit? Right. <laughs> well, we've been carrying this for two and a half years. Right. When it was like the grassroots marketing that made this a thing, and Black people told y'all what we was going to wear. Right. What we were going to bring, and we showed the f out from Brazil. Did you see the people in Japan? Okay. The black folk in Japan just opened up in Japan. Oh, and black black folk in Japan. Japan. We are everywhere, and there were people posting up because they went to the premiere and they had their daishikis and all their stuff. They were dressed in Japan with Japanese people in the background saying, "Shout out to oh, okay. you know, okay. it's going to be in Russia, it's going to be in China." I mean, everybody. It's not going to be in Russia. Listen, there are black people in Russia. Who, who, there's there three are. of them. There's three. There's of them. a lot. No, no. There's a lot. There's a. Uh, there's Michael Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> Natasha Brown. There's an interesting. Um, I've always wanted to do a movie about this. It's um, so uh, during the Soviet times, um, and the Soviets are like, it's always Soviet time over there. What is he talking know, about but, but, in America? But, but you know, like in the height of the Cold War, when there was such such a battle for um, who's going to be a satellite state right. in Africa, they would bring a lot of people who were the satellite states in Africa to have them study at the Polytechnique in Moscow or yeah, in St. Right. Petersburg. So there's a lot of like Nigerians there right, right. and like Congolese, Congolese, not Congo, but you know, but, but that's like, so, right. that's, so there are there. But that's part, of, that's part of your covert operations <laughs> under the guy. In America, we did it too. We called it the Peace Corps though. Right. I mean, if we want to get real. Well... You can well all you want to. Yeah, but that's <laughs> us going there. But what I'm saying is... Yeah, them coming here. They yeah. went and stayed. Yeah, yeah, they went and stayed, yeah. But anywho, so. hey, hey, we... Look, y'all, I'm, I'm apologize. It's going to be going on all year. <laughs> she still got her Wakanda shirt on. <laughs> okay, I've been... And I got my Wakanda bracelet <laughs> with the, the the kimono, the... What do you call it? Kimono? Kimono? What are the beads called in the movie? I don't know. Oh, like, I don't know. They're not. Oh, those beads. little That's wrong. Yeah, yes. Little things anyway, yeah, anyway, tech beads. and the sad <laughs> thing is that we can quote, quote scenes from the movie like ridiculous. We have come from the mouth. Listen, <laughs> that's going to be the new. I have a dream. You watch. That's the new. I have a dream speech. I'll tell you if y'all are saying now. I'll tell you what they're saying. What they're saying on and out is is doing that line that he's like, "Hi, auntie." Yeah, that's the line. That's a teacher right there. Look, What's up? Next, next, <laughs> next, next Black History Month is going to be quotes from the Black right, Panther movie, right, and all the right. older black people will be like, what have y'all done? What is happening? Anyway, it was fantastic. If you want to read up. about my experience at the premiere that we went to in San Diego, we had a private screening for 349 they people. They had music and everything. Listen. They, they came in dancing into the place. I was like, y'all was doing extra. We had a, we had a program. <clears throat> we had a church program. We sang the Black National Anthem at the beginning. Y'all think I'm joking. We got video. Jeez, Go to Sci-Fi Wire. Uh, look my name up. I have an article on there, and it has pictures. And it has like the actual five minute video that showed you everything that we did and what, what the movie all, meant. Y'all, y'all. It's all there. So check it out. That's what's up. Anyway. So welcome Here. back, Lisa Bolakaja. Yes, it's I. And then we got my man Chris Derrick in the house uh-huh. from the writing directing team, the Derrick Brothers. Yes. What's, what's up, up, Chris? Who did not bring me a shirt? Oh. Yeah, what's up? With, hold on. Never mind. We won't know. I'm going to have no, to go we'll in. Talk we'll, talk, we'll talk later. We'll talk later. <laughs> I've been, look, I'm I so busy. I've been so busy. You ain't got no job. Um, you ain't done nothing. <laughs> You're no, just a writer director. What you doing? I'm writing. Uh, I mean, you know, the, I was saying yesterday about the yeah. fuck you pay me right, as right. A, the pilot for right, that. Right. Uh, you, just, you didn't know. There's a short film that my brother, that my brother and I made like I guess like ten years ago now called Fuck You Pay Me, mm-hmm. and it was basically set in a future where um, it was a felony to have too much debt, 
And the okay. you know so and it was you know, these cops would roll around the debt collectors were like like SWAT officers come to, you know like you know to arrest people who were like too much credit card debt or late on a student loan or things like that. Um, and there was a pilot we wrote, but a lot of people were saying this is so crazy. You know, this is just cra- at the time. This was like this is before the financial crisis. Everything. Yes, yeah. it's before the financial really? crisis, right. and everyone's like, "This is crazy. This is just you, what are you talking about? Wow. This would never you know, happen." Yeah, that whole thing with the film yes. and with the little. Uh, I mean, we pitched it a sci-fi. Right. And I was like, "What is this? This is not science fiction." I was like, "Okay." Wow. So just you know, so <laughs> right. I just kind of went away. Financial crisis happened. I was like. Okay, people. <laughs> um, but I was just, you know, some of this this thing the other day with Trump and the 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 he's just putting out this trade. You know, we're gonna put the 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 tariffs on. I was like, right. oh, you know what? I have that script. I want to rewrite. So right. I've been rewriting that just the last couple. Just working on some of the re- rewrites on that one. Just kind of updating it. Um, well, see, that goes into sometimes just scripts. Have a, new, have a new life in yeah, another way. Yeah, they can come back yeah. to God willing. Head of your time. <laughs> <laughs> and then, oh, and, and then I see, and then, I told you last time I was watching that thing called The Director's Chair. Oh, it's yeah, on definitely. El Rey. I don't know if you've ever seen this. Mm-hmm. It's like it's Robert Rodriguez, and he, and he interviews all these directors right. that mm-hmm. he really right. finds fascinating. Um, and I watched the Francis Coppola one. Mm-hmm. I was a huge fan of his. Right. It was so fascinating. It's yeah. just, I, if, I mean, if you like Coppola's work, I do. It's like it's an inside look at how he does a lot of his work. Right. Um, <clears throat> just like he, he's always like demanding these like two week rehearsal periods before the movies and does all these kind of theater game yeah. stuff to get everyone because in. Because he respects actors he does. and he yeah. understands he that they really, need to get really into the process. groove the process. and figure really out. the yes. process. I mean, right. it's really, really interesting. And, this, and he says something I thought was so fascinating because I heard, you know, he's such a big proponent of like new technology and he, I remember like at the, at the, <laughs> the interview for Apocalypse Now at Com Film Festival, he kept saying there's going to be this revolution, this digital cinema revolution right. that had never, and it, you know, this is what, 79. But what's interesting is that the movie he did, uh, One from the Heart, mm-hmm. he actually wanted to shoot that live. He wanted to oh, do wow. it all live. Like it would just be like, you know, just like just the way they would do live television. And right. ultimately he was like, I chickened out. And he was like, of all, of, of all the regrets that he had, <laughs> that's the one. That's the one that he, he was like, I didn't shoot it live. I was like, <laughs> Of all the regrets you've had, because <laughs> you've had some stuff happen to you. Exactly. You know, um, there's always one. There's yeah, always one. But, uh, and then he's talking about there's going to be this restored version of the Cotton Club, a 4K version. Oh, really? of, yeah, mm. it's like 20 minutes longer and everything like that, with oh, more wow. dancing and more stuff that the studio was like. He we said, it out, yeah, yeah, th- yeah. There were like too many black people in this Cotton Club. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, a, a, a movie called like, Cotton Club. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. And he was like, "What are you talking about? I mean, it's Harlem." So that was up. That was up. So, y'all know how we do it on the rant room. If you guys are grown, let's go ahead and get it in. Only took us like eight minutes. And you know, hey, it's been a minute. It's been together. It's been a minute. Apologize, Stacey. We are catching up. Um, So, welcome to the show, everybody. Showrunner herself, writer, producer, uh, Stacey Rukeyser. 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 There you go. My new cousin. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, Stacey. You know what? Do you know what your last name means? Well, there's a. A myth, I think, about the family, which is that Kaiser Wilhelm, when he was fleeing mm. um, after the uprising against him, stayed at our house. We let him spend the night at our house, and Rue means rest, so rest of the Kaiser. So oh, we are basically right. loyalist sympathizers, which is not a great backstory, <laughs> no, frankly. No. But uh, that's that's where <laughs> allegedly it comes from. So, that's hilarious. Yeah. Nice. That's funny. That's funny. Well, welcome to the show, Stacey. Thank you. Yeah, that's, right. Yeah, that's right. They always say in German, they say. Um, 
Imarua, Imarua, to like calm down, to tell people to calm down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, right. that would be good. Mm. <laughs> that was part of it. Rest, rest. Yes, yeah, rest, yeah, relax, yeah. relax. Yeah. relax. Yeah. Right. He's like, relax. We tell someone who's getting crazy, relax, relax. Mm-hmm. Chris spent a little time with him. He think he could speak the language or something, you know. I did spend a summer, <laughs> well, more than summer, like a semester in Germany oh, when wow. I was in school. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my dad lives there. That's all he does is speak German, so it's annoying. <laughs> <laughs> He's showing off, right? You know, it's like, uh, uh. So, so you can speak German. Big deal. <laughs> so, welcome to the show, Stacey. We Thank appreciate you. having you. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, let's get into your, a little bit of your background. Hey, Chris, can you hit that off? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let's get into your background. Let's sure. tell the kids where you're from and like how you got into the game. Yeah, you know? totally. Well, I can give you the full story. So, I... I uh, I was a politics major in college, did not think I was going to be doing this at all. I thought I was going to be like a criminal defense attorney or maybe work for the Foreign Service, Um, you know, CIA or something. Even though my dad was telling me, it is not like you see in the movies, like it is not glamorous to work in the Foreign Service. And then the Valerie Plame big affair Uh, happened. I was like, she looks pretty damn glamorous. So I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, But I was always like doing theater in college. Mm -hmm. and I. She is pretty though. Oh, well, you're I was I was an actress and um and I um and I and I just thought it was a whole lot more fun than my politics classes mm-hmm. and I was doing it every summer and internships and apprenticeships and things like that and I then I said like you know this is what I'm going to do for my mm-hmm. life and um my dad was like oh my god you know right. so I went to acting school after college for two years and and he was like it's just acting not law anymore <laughs> huh? and I was like yeah they don't have like that cross program right, where you right. can get exactly. both. But um, anyway, so I, then I was an actress in New York City for four years, and I did some really great theater. Mm-hmm. I had a tiny, tiny part in a play with Al Pacino, one of the <laughs> many um, productions of, of Salome that he did. Oh, he was obsessed right, with that right. play. Mm-hmm. He continues to do it over and right. over. Um, and, um, and, and a cool production of Macbeth that they mm-hmm. we did off-Broadway, but... You know, it's very hard to make a living um, doing theater in right. New York, and so then I unless you're like singing and dancing on Broadway. Or something, well, right, right, which I definitely was not. And um, and she so said she, was, she said she was going to sing for mm. it. <laughs> yeah, right. That, that will scare everyone. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so I came out here, and I was an actress, and you know, for a couple of years, and. Um, not doing anything really of note, but I, I I went to see a terrible B movie that I was in with my agent, and <laughs> I um, <love> <laughs> it's really bad. What's the movie? What's the name and of it? I am not saying. It's okay. We can Google it. Right right look it up. Right. It's hard. What's that movie called? But um, but he said, you know, look, Stace, everything's going along fine. You're booking jobs, which mm-hmm. frankly was generous. I wasn't really booking that many jobs. Um, <laughs> you get two a year. You're like, yeah, <laughs> and he said, but nothing's really changing. Uh, we need to do something to make a change have you ever thought about writing anything And smart, it just so happened, yeah. yeah. Um, and it just so happened that I had been reading this novel at the time, which is a whole other longer story. But I, I really knew how I could adapt it or wanted to adapt it, and I sort of pitched out the story to him. And he said, "Oh, it's great! It's great! It's great! Just write it, even if it's shitty. Just right. write it." Which was great license that he gave me. But then right. he was a total agent because he said, "Just take two weeks and write it." <laughs> <laughs> and um, and so of course it did not just take two weeks, right. um, but the experience that I had in writing it was incredibly transformative. Mm-hmm. It was like I was snapping back into myself, who mm-hmm. I was. Like when I had was an actress, I, 
I mean, people can't see. I'm a brunette, but like when I was an actress, I had highlights, and like the longer I was in LA, Me like too. the blonder and the blonder, mm-hmm. and the blonder I was getting. <laughs> and then like the week that I finished that script, I dyed it all back to brown. It was really, really like I was like in front of my computer till three in the morning in my sweatpants, happy as a clam. Yes. And I was like, yes, this yes. is who I am. This is who I am. And of course, like I freaked out because I'm a dramatic person, and like <laughs> I was like, what have I been doing for the last seven years? You know, I got like a pinched nerve in my right arm, which is mm-hmm. the arm I write with. Right. Very dramatic, but. Um, um, but then I was like, no, 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 this is right. And so um, I was tutoring kids to make money. I was not Ooh. not making money as in, enough money as an actress even. But so I just decided, like when I decided this is what I want to do, I'm going to like write a cover letter mm. to every single person I know. <laughs> try and get them to read my script. Mm-hmm. And it was the mother of one of the kids that I was tutoring who had a friend who was a producer. And anyway, he ended up optioning the screenplay. Oh, okay. Nothing has ever happened <laughs> right. with that. Mm-hmm. And now, of course, I know like optioning means nothing. But at the right. time, I was like, my right. screenplay was right. optioned. And right. I should be doing this. <laughs> right. This is a sign. Right. And, so, um, and then that acting agent who had first said you should write something, he gave it to, I was at APA at that time mm-hmm. as an actress, and he gave it to the literary division over there. Mm-hmm. And they were like, okay. And then I felt high enough on the hog after this guy had optioned my screenplay that I walked in and said, I have an idea for a TV show. Mm. Not having any idea. I mean, nowadays, more of that kind of thing happens. But this was 1999, I think. And so, like, that is not how it happened. You worked your way up. Mm-hmm. You had to get to Especially a back place. then. Yeah, right. where people wanted right. to hear your thing. And um, so they paired me with another writer at the agency um, who was more of a, a feature writer even. Daniel Barnes is his name. Mm-hmm. And um, and we went out and pitched it, and it never sold anywhere. We, we, we were at Spelling. We had an if-come deal with Spelling. Mm-hmm. And um, and again, all these little steps along the way, which now I know mean sort of nothing. I was like, this <laughs> is my life. This is what I should be doing. Mm-hmm. But um, it didn't sell. But along the way, I found that I really liked writing for television mm-hmm. even more than I liked writing features. And right. it's just because... I, you know, in features, you have to make hard decisions all the time about the one way to tell this story. Mm -hmm. And that's the only way you're ever going to tell that story. But in TV, you can say, I'm going to tell this story here, but then, you know, a few episodes down the line, I'll tell that Mm -hmm. story. Um, And so, but but the point is, it's a long way of saying, like, I, I... decided being a television writer is what I really wanted to do. And so I said, I'm going to um, get staffed, work my way up, become someone who these people do mm-hmm. want to develop with. Because Daniel was, like I said, more of a feature writer. So they were kind of like, who's this guy? And who the fuck is Stacey Rugard? Who are these people? And, um, and so I applied well, Didn't she to... lose on Star Trek? Yes. That would have been more than they even knew about me at the time. Um, but so I, I applied to all the writing programs that they have around town and um and I um and I had been writing a bunch of spec TV spec scripts right. and um the kids and, don't know what that is anymore. And <laughs> I know seriously, but like I you used to write spec episodes. I had written like a Law and Order and right. a Gilmore Girls mm-hmm. and a Sex in the City, Will and Grace because I, I wasn't even sure at that time like do I want to write half hour right. or hour right. and it was just a really exploratory period. So, but for the Warner Brothers Writers Workshop, I had missed the deadline for the drama. Um, division, whatever mm-hmm. you call it, but comedy was still, I could still apply. So I sent in my Sex in the City spec, and then I was a finalist, which is they have 50 people who are mm-hmm. finalists, and you go in mm-hmm. for an interview. And I, when I got selected for that, I was like, oh my God, a comedy writer? Like, I really think I'm a comedy writer. <laughs> right. like, could I be a comedy writer? Right. I could be a comedy writer. And I had this friend from college who was working as a comedy writer. I was like, 
I'm as funny as Paul. I can, I can do that. And Paul can do it. So I went for the interview and I like tried to be as funny as possible in the interview. And I think I was doing pretty well. And um, it's all going along fine. And then they said, so what other half hour specs have ah. you written? Mm. And I hadn't even written that Will and Grace. I mentioned, I, this really was the only one. And um, I was like, um, and in that moment, I was like, lie, don't lie, lie, don't lie. And it was right at that time that like Clinton had been indicted oh, for lying. Right. And I was like, I'm going to tell the truth. And I was like, this is it. This is the only one. Mm-hmm. And I could tell in that moment that like it was over. I was right. not getting in. And I didn't get in. And then they said, but you were really close. There were just a few people ahead of you who had a bit more experience. I was like, like more than one fucking half <laughs> 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 A bit more than that. Mm-hmm. And um, they were like, apply again next year. And so the following year, I applied in the drama division. Mm-hmm. They were like, yes, you're a drama writer. I was like, yeah, I know. No shit. <laughs> and, um, and that is what really started my career, I have okay. to say. Like they... Um, got me, you know, a real lit agent. Mm-hmm. And I'm just because like the lit department at APA just sort of been like handed me and didn't really right. think I mean I wasn't anybody at that time. But so they got me my real agents and then they also introduced us to a whole bunch of executive producers there. And mm-hmm. that was the first time I met the, the mythical showrunner, you know, yes. because it was like, oh the showrunner this and the showrunner, you have to meet the showrunner. It's so important. And then they would come in and talk to us. I was like, well they're just people. Right. They're just people who know what the hell they're doing, mm-hmm. kind of. So um so I went from there. Um I did get staffed on without a trace. That was mm-hmm. my first show. That's a good Anthony start. Lepal. That's a good start. Yeah. Yeah. Good. And it ah. was like getting thrown into the fire because Ed Redlick, who's a, who was a showrunner mm-hmm. on Without a Trace, very much believed in that um, sort of apprenticeship where even right. the staff writers were producing their own episodes. A John and Wells that, way, right? Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, so that meant that like I was on the set, on set. with Maybe. Anthony LaPaglia mm-hmm. and those people, yep. not necessarily the easiest. Nicest <laughs> people in the world. Like, they're like, you know, there are so many holes in this script, I could poke a fork through it. Jeez, and I'm like, uh huh, right. uh huh. Like, I'm trying to rewrite. And I'm like, rewriting for them. And, and, and then I was like, let me hear you say it, Anthony. And I was like, oh, it's great, it's great. He goes, it'll work. <laughs> it's not great. <laughs> um, and I remember like coming back to the office after like a particularly hard day on set, and Hank Steinberg, who had created the show, and Edward, they were both there, and they were like, "How did it go?" And I was like, "Well, you know." And they just sort of stopped me, and they were like, "We don't really want to hear about it." <laughs> so just you handle it, handle your shit, basically, right. you know. And so, um, so that was that was great, and that was sort of how the whole thing began. I mean, I can go on from there, but that was sort of the beginning. <laughs> who's, the the yeah. who's the British woman who was in Without a Trace? A Baptiste. Uh, yeah, John Baptiste. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love yeah. her. Yeah, because she was in this Mike Lee. I see. There, I'm good to movie stuff. She's in this Mike Lee movie that I saw. That. Um, She's really good. I just, She's I just amazing. Remember, I just remember this camera. Oh, Not a pushover yeah. either. I'll yeah, I was going to ask. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. That's Dem- interesting. You know, demanding, but good. I mean, listen, we should all demand high quality. Right. And, you know, working with amazing actors is what we should all wish for, you right. know. So they require a certain level. Maybe, right. you know, higher than what I had I was, to offer I was telling Chris time. last night about, we were talking about The Post, because mm-hmm. we are going to, you know, watch the Oscars mm-hmm. stuff tonight, and I was mm-hmm. talking about the... Um, Screenwriting. The the two writers who wrote the post yeah. were on the Writers Guild podcast that I helped them put together, and and she originally wrote it as like a spec. It was like her first script ever. Right, apparently. I heard that. Yeah. Can we all slap her? <laughs> um, was it her God, first script? Because I, I, according to her, it was okay. It was her first script, but I think she came from another thing where she wrote. I think she written a lot of stuff, or something. and that was like the, her first script that like got any traction. 
See, because what I had read was that she had written stuff, wasn't getting anywhere, yeah. and was about to leave the business. Right. And, and like, this oh, was her passion. Oh, this is her I'm passion. Right. Right. This, this is her passion project. About, we right. talked about that, yeah. But I know she's a project. young yeah. writer right. in right. terms of, like, you know, yes, it is one of those inspiring stories, not these the smack The story, the narrative. The narrative. But it is, yes, one of her new things. But what were you going to say? So where I was going with that was, so what she was saying was, so when she got somehow got to Spielberg, Spielberg was like, "Yes, we got to do this," but of course he had to bring in his A list writer right. to help her, right? Which was interesting. He didn't want to get rid of her because he knew him. she knew the story. Yeah. So he paired her off with the what is his fucking Josh, Josh Singer. Yeah, Josh. Josh Singer. Yeah. So and, plus she, he, and plus he didn't want that clap back. <laughs> you know you would have got him because I would have been all up in there. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and so they paired him together. Yeah. And Josh said it was the best spectrum he ever read. Oh, great! But it wasn't a movie yet. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Right? Yeah. So we were talking last night about kind of where you're going, which is about you write these scripts and you think they're great, but. Then you bring in Meryl Streep right. and Tom Hanks, and they have notes sure, that sure. elevate it to a movie. And yeah. Spielberg, of course, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's one of those things where, because we were talking about something else, another script, and it's like you can, you can read a feature and you can tell it's a good story, but you can also read it and say, this is why it's not a movie yet. Hmm. It's a really great story, but it's not a movie. And it's a really interesting exercise that I think to do is if you look at scripts that are produced and then you look at the movie and then you kind of think about why the movie is the way that it is. Because a couple of weeks ago I was saying I had, um, was looking at the script from Munich because okay. uh, I love that movie and there was a piece on something and I was there's that scene with I don't know if you're familiar with the movie or not but, remember, yeah. but there's that scene that, that 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 they're making the phone call and the girl's gonna get blown up and I was right. like I was like wait 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 how did they write this yeah because it's all this movement stuff right. and it's like and the sound has this it's all told in sound more than anything and I was like I need to go back and look at this because that is a trick and right. you know and it's a very it's just like the scene in Raiders with the um, the truck when he goes underneath the thing in the truck. It's a very simply written scene, but it's enough to let him say, "Okay, this is what the story point is. Right. Now let me jump in and do this, mm-hmm. and, 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 and I'll bring my magic." And I mm-hmm. think that that's part, and then and then there's stuff that's cut out like that they, that that you know he shot with the. Well, um, there's the newscasters, like there's all that news footage that, that is like, right. okay, and they pared it down, pared it down to what they just specifically <clears throat> need, you know, because like, again, like you said, you have to make those hard decisions when you're writing a feature yeah, about this, how yeah. we're going to tell the story. Yeah. And it, and it becomes even more and more about like, um, every word, every it, page really see, counts. I mean, yeah. and it's the, it's the big <clears throat> difference, I think, between television and film is that, you know, the director was doing a rewrite like on the set because right. we're doing it this way, and then there's the f- and then the final rewrite is happening in the editing room. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's you know, and the, and then they might decide we got to go do some reshoots because yeah. of that yeah. what they're seeing there, which I don't think they have the time to do that in television. They can't go back and go, hey, you know what, we missed. Uh, there's like this, <laughs> like, this, like as, as Jeff Melvin would right. say, you know, this gunfight's not working, <laughs> so we got to go back and reshoot. You know, yeah, um, yeah. It's interesting. It's interesting. But what's fun in television is that you, as the writer, when you're the showrunner, right. you get to go and do that final rewrite in the mm-hmm. editing room. Right, and, right. Um, and we're in post right now on season four of mm-hmm. Unreal, um, and we are absolutely doing that. I mean, I yeah. can think of a scene in particular 
right now where it's just it's getting a couple of scenes. I mean, it happens all the time, right. but it's like, yes, you get a chance to just completely rewrite it, which mm-hmm. is which is great, you know. Yeah, that's awesome. where the experience comes in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, we have to talk. I don't mean to jump too far because I know you've done a lot of other shows, but we have to jump on the fact that you worked with both of our close friends, Glenn Mazzara. Ah, Glenn's yes. the best. <laughs> I love Glenn. I, love I told him you were coming on the show. And he was like, oh, that's my girl. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Glenn is the best. I mean, I have um, framed, actually, still in my office, the cover sheet. For, I don't even know. People don't do cover sheets anymore. But, <laughs> What's um, a cover sheet? A cover okay. sheet. Uh, <laughs> when he was reading me for the first time, it was for The Shield. Mm-hmm. And I had, like, two credits, I think, at that time. I'd been on Without a Trace. And then um, from there, I went to Fearless, which was this WB show that actually got canceled before we started shooting. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, Man. I can say about that. But then I went to One Tree Hill, and I was there for, for two years. And um, I like that I got to write more character-based stuff instead mm-hmm. of FBI stuff. Right. Um, but I wanted to write more adult stuff, and I would have killed to write right. on The Shield. Oh, killed Aww. to write on The Shield. Yeah. Yeah. And um, anyway, so Glenn read a Nip Tuck spec that I had written. This is back, I guess, again, when we were <laughs> writing specs. Okay. <laughs> but so um, he had read a Nip Tuck um, spec that I had written and, and really liked it mm-hmm. and brought me in for the interview. And so anyway, on the the, the cover sheet is just my resume, basically, right. like my my credits and then, you know, what he thought. And he, he said something like, you know, uh, Glenn met, very impressive, a bit green, Sean, not as impressed, mm. pass per Sean Ryan. <laughs> like, and so no matter what good things happen in my life right. and whatever else is framed in you my still office, have it. I still have that frame to that's, sort of keep me real. Because it's wonderful and terrible at the same time. It was like, right. Glenn really liked me so right. much, Sean Ryan passed on me. Not as impressed. Not as impressed. Um, so we'll see how he feels now. We'll see. <laughs> but Glenn is the, is the biggest, probably the biggest mentor in my career um, because he cares about right. teaching writers not only how to write, but also how to rise up and be showrunners. Right. He right. taught me so much about um, how I wanted to be as a as a manager of other people. Mm-hmm. And he also happens to read more spec scripts. Right. I mean, even though they're pilots now, not not specs of shows, but more spec scripts from young writers than anyone I know. It's true. And will give people notes. It's true. I don't know how he finds the time <laughs> with all of his own work that he's doing, but he walks the walk, man, you know, and everything he's doing for diversity. He's the real deal. Yeah, go I go, I go with him sometimes when he goes to studios and talks to them, cool, yeah. you know, about, you know, having a diverse room, whatever, yeah. you know, just to back them up. Yeah, you know? and we, you know, I, I, um, I read this article recently where he was talking about um, a female director who was mm-hmm. on his show and how the crew were interacting with her mm-hmm. and how he then dealt with it. Because we talk about this a lot mm-hmm. on our show and, and, and also especially in, in hiring female directors because we try to be really careful about how we speak about them mm-hmm. because the words that you use really matter and they're different for men and women. Right. Like For men, it's like, oh, he's such a vision. He's a really strong vision. Mm-hmm. Um, really will get you what you need. Oftentimes, a woman behaving the same way is like, mm, she's difficult, yep. really? she's arrogant, mm-hmm. she's kind of bitchy, right, didn't right. get along really well mm-hmm. with the crew. Right. But so he was talking, and I'm not going to get the story exactly right, but he was talking about a female director who had a very specific vision mm-hmm. of how to shoot this thing, and, and it was kind of different, I think, from what they had done before, mm-hmm. and the crew was kind of like talking over her and kind of checking out, and, and, and he basically said, guys, you need to stop. 
she's going to explain this again, mm-hmm. and here we go. And on another show, people would just be like, oh, my God, I know. Like, she's not getting along with the crew. Mm-hmm. Like, let's just move on. Right. Oh, we should have hired this other person. And it's That's why it starts at the top, though. Yeah, right. It, right. Re- it really, really mm-hmm. does. And, and that unconscious bias that now we in Hollywood are talking right. much more about our unconscious bias, we all have to check ourselves mm-hmm. in that, like, you know, I probably have unconscious bias towards smart women, you know? <laughs> but you take your your crew and your DP and whatever, and it's like they have no way of knowing if just when a female director sits down in front of them, if they have a different attitude, if it's just right. in them, right. that they're like, mm, I don't know about this. Not even to mention people of color, mm-hmm. you know? So um, so I think it's 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 making us all aware of those things that we have and how we talk about these people and how we, you know, interact with them. It's right. so, so important. See, this, you're right. It's interesting because, like, when we did Architects, mm-hmm. this movie that, that my brother and I directed <laughs> that he produced, it was a short, uh, proof of concept. When, when I got to the set, there was a black guy who was, like, PA or group right. or something like that. And he's like, hey, man, what are you doing? What are you on the, he asked me, you know, like, what I was doing on the show. And I was like, oh, I'm the director. <laughs> and it's like... He was so impressed. Yeah. Like he, I'm, like he almost was getting ready to get on one knee. Like, oh my god, you're direct. I was like, really? You know, because like that's all I've done. Yeah. And I kind of look at it, and I was like, how is he? Is this just a short film? It's not like I'm doing like you know with with these Luma cranes. All kind of, that's not what we're doing here. And I just and it just is interesting to hear that from your point of view. From from that, there's just that pushback that that is it's unexpected. Yeah, and then it's to me. I always feel like if you can articulate your vision strongly as a director, then that's what you should then then do it. And the, the people should be right. listening because but see, it's interesting because then I just wonder how difficult like is it for female directors to be directing their shorts and stuff to you yeah. know and to hear it from the crew there too because they they I have think to. it starts there. Yeah, well, yeah. definitely, and I mean, I can just say like as a female writer mm-hmm. um you there are so many times i can think of where i have not been taken as seriously as the older white dude in the room mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. if he says this is a good idea then the executives even if they're women feel reassured mm-hmm. in a way that they do not feel reassured with me and that is maddening. And again, I think it's something that's changing. I think people are talking about it a lot. We're looking at our unconscious bias. But if you look at me and um, think, okay, am I going to entrust 30 plus million dollars for Mm -hmm. this season to her or this like six-year-old white dude? Mm -hmm. Like there is something in people that would go like, I feel safer Mm -hmm. with that guy. And what the fuck is that about? You know? And all you can do is try to do your work and 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 prove that you can do Mm -hmm. your work. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's maddening that you do need allies. Um, you know, and and just getting back to Glenn, he's such an ally to Mm -hmm. so many people in the business, and it's maddening that you need that kind of an ally, but thank God he's there, Mm -hmm. you know, when um you know, when we still need him, and then hopefully Again, you know, he will make us all aware. But we, you know, we put a scene in the in the in the season three premiere of Unreal where Quinn, the the showrunner character, is trying to pitch the idea of a feminist suit dress, which is like the Bachelorette, you know, to the network. And the network president is like, "What feminist? Wow, that's terrible!" <laughs> and it's Chet, the dude, you know, the the guy who's saying like, "No, this is." 
important. This mm. is zeitgeisty. This is culturally relevant. Right. And that's how they get to do it, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, and definitely I've experienced that. So I can imagine with directors that it's right. the same thing that it's like you have a strong vision. You're, you're talking about it on the, on the set, but you don't know, like, what are those unconscious biases that you're coming up against, you mm-hmm. know, that, that people have. Um, and hopefully, like, you hire the best people you can hire who aren't assholes like that. You know? <laughs> but it's not even about being an asshole because sometimes I think it's like they don't even realize. They don't even realize. Like, you're in a pitch meeting, let's just say, and the person is looking at the male producer, let's just right. say, if there is that. And they don't even realize that they're doing right. that. You know? And like, I'm the showrunner, bitch. That you look at I my idea. <laughs> I created all this. You need to step back. <laughs> recognize. <laughs> recognize. Yeah. But there's so much fear in Hollywood, right. you know, that everybody's looking to not lose their job, basically. Mm-hmm. And if you can say, well, I bet on this person who's very well established and whatever, then you can't really lose your job for right. that. I mean, this yeah. is coming up a lot as we sort of expand the list of female directors for television because now people in you know, luckily are more interested in hiring female right. writers. And there was, of course, that list that the studios had of mm-hmm. the female writers who were approved and those fem- I mean female <laughs> directors rather. Yeah. Right. And they're right. always busy. Right. And they're, they're always too busy. Right. Um but you you do have to take a chance at a certain point right. on someone, you know, and for me as a showrunner, like, you know, I had to work my butt off and prove myself. I mean, I, you know, I was in the Warner Brothers Writers Workshop in 2002. Wow. And this is 2018. I think I was promoted to showrunner in 2000, when was it? 16 or 17. So, like, wow. in other words, it was a long time. It's a long time. Mm-hmm. And so, you was, were probably co EP for a long time, right? Yeah. I mean, exactly. I, I was a number two. I was the number two for the first time um, to Glenn on the first season of Crash. That yeah. was 2000. That's a good place to learn. Mm-hmm. Right? It was great. Mm-hmm. It was great. Um, and he talks about how it was tough for a couple of the other male writers on the right. show who were older and more <laughs> experienced. They were like, this girl? And he's like, you have to listen to her. Right. Um, and But anyway, and then it was the third season of the show where I was promoted to showrunner. You know, yeah. So like, I have I had to prove myself. Right. You know, see, so. this, see, it's so interesting. You bring this up and it's interesting. I was just thinking about it. You know, um, how difficult is it for Dorothy Parker to be at the Algonquin like round table? <laughs> with like, you know, just like what, seven or eight guys, these right. famous and then she's the only woman. And it's like and then but you know her name. Mm-hmm. And to me, I kind of feel like this is kind of like my bias on that level, like tipping the scales backwards. You know, like I, I think it must have been in junior high someone had mentioned her name to me or, or I read one of her short stories. So so to me, I never had this kind of uh, concept that there couldn't be like great stories that could come from a woman, you know, mm-hmm. um, and and then um, Edora Welty, you know, and I was like, I love, the, and their stories are so rich and so fascinating, and so I just find it so, um, I mean, it's everywhere, but but like I hear the stories and I just get shocked, and I'm kind of like. What you know, like, what's your exposure to anything mm-hmm. at this point? Mm-hmm. Because then, because you're you're telling me that you're so narrow mm-hmm. in what you've you know exposed yourself to, ex, you know, and then like, what's your curiosity? Do do you have any curiosity about anything that's not your own experience? And right. that all, and and that to me, but you know, I, I guess that's just just how I think. Mm-hmm. But but I think that. But that's like the whole kind of the, the undercurrent of diversity. It's like, well, let's get those points of view that are not our own, not our own. It's because you're not being curious about what's out there that can show you something different. <clears throat> mm-hmm. You know. Let's talk about um, first. Let's talk about Unreal. Yes. Let's tell the kids about what is the show. Okay. Yeah. What's it about? And let's talk about like 
how you staff. Let's talk about sure. like, what, what, what's going on with the characters. We will get into all that. Yeah, oh, totally. I'm going to jump in real fast and do something. Yes. I work with Constance Zimmer. Oh, that's she right. was really young. Was she like 20 years ago when she first came out here? Oh my God, was, was she so fabulous crazy. even then? She was so. I mean, at the time we were like, like, like we shot a short at USC, wow. and uh, and uh, it was even a silent film, and wow. and we were like, this is going to be amazing. She's going to be amazing, and also she had this fantastic voice, and I was like, we're shooting a silent film, and she can't talk. <laughs> I was like, this is. But, but I knew she was going to be great, you know, because oh, at the incredible. time she was like speak. She just kept like speaking. She'd done some German television oh, okay. stuff like this, and I was like, oh, that's really cool. And um, so it's just interesting to yeah, see yeah, seeing her yeah. whole career the last She's 20 years. She's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay, so Unreal is um, is behind the scenes a, a scripted drama mm-hmm. behind the scenes on a show like The Bachelor right. that we call Everlasting, and it is based on a short. I love that title. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's based on a short film that Sarah Shapiro wrote and directed. Mm-hmm. Um, she while she was in the AFI Directors Workshop for Women, right. and she was in fact a producer on The Bachelor um, mm. for several years, and she was very much like the main character, a feminist who found herself working on The Bachelor. So, right. It's so meta. And had somewhat of a nervous breakdown and left the show and, and moved to Oregon and um, <laughs> thought she would be a kale farmer. That's and weird. instead... You know the lure of storytelling. You know, still stayed. And anyway, she went. Yeah, (laughs) she she was working in advertising for a while. But she wrote and directed this great short film that the show was based on. And then um, she sold it to Lifetime. And um, Lifetime then paired her with Marty Noxon, Mm -hmm. who is a much more established. Showrunner mm-hmm. and uh, and writer, and together they wrote the pilot for Unreal, right. um, which centers on this character Rachel Goldberg, who is the feminist producer who hates herself for being there, and yet also kind of gets it's Lisa, off. but white. <laughs> <laughs> well, she does, you know, get off on her ability to manipulate these women. Right. And and hates herself for being there, and hates herself for getting off on it, mm-hmm. and um, and she, and then it's also it's a sort of um, the center of the show is really her relationship with Constance Zimmer's character yeah. Quinn, who is the um, executive producer, oh, showrunner, she's so good. She's incredible yeah. in that, and she <laughs> is. Um, it's it's a friendship. It's a weirdly mother daughter relationship. Mm-hmm. To it's um it's unhealthy at the same time that it is incredibly <laughs> loving. Um, so that's a good word. That is, is unhealthy? <laughs> yeah. So that's the center of it. And when I when I read the pilot, I just loved it so much. Mm-hmm. You know, and um so I had worked with Marty Noxon before. We had um. Uh, worked together on a show called Gigantic, which was a show that Marty created for Teen Nick. And it had an 18-episode order, and Marty knew she wanted to sort of step back after the first six episodes, and so Mm -hmm. she hired me to come in and kind of run it when she wasn't there. Mm -hmm. And then it was a similar situation on Unreal because she had Marty had two shows on the air at that time. She had Girlfriend's Guide to Divorce Mm -hmm. on the air as well. At exactly the same time. And so, um, so she brought me in to sort of run things for her when she wasn't there. And then um, by the time we got to the second season, um, it was sort of clear that Marty really wasn't going to be able to be there to, to show run yeah. um, on a daily basis. But they um, hired um, a much more experienced showrunner, Carol Barbie, right. to run it in the second season. And I say that I think Carol has been a showrunner for as long as I've been a TV writer. Like, she is so experienced. Gee, oh, gee, and, way back. Yeah. And, um, but I kept writing in the studio, you know, writing a lot, and the studio was asking me to rewrite a lot as well. 
well and, you know, really proving myself. And, and so then in the third season, they said, you know, um, how would you like to be the showrunner? Yeah. And um, so that was great. And it, it really had been sort of Sarah and I in the trenches from season one. So in some ways, nothing really changed mm-hmm. um, for the third season except that I did get to be the final decision maker mm-hmm. in terms of what stories are we going to tell mm-hmm. um, and also how are we going to manage the whole show. That mm-hmm. was you know, my first chance to really do that, which was great. And so for the third season... I mean, there were a lot of big plot points that happened at the end of the second season that we had to... Can I ask you a quick question, yeah. by the way? Do you... Because I talk to a lot of showrunners about this when they finally get the... Yeah. <laughs> we're the gonna chance, be show- yeah. Did you feel like, okay, all those years, like, I'm ready, or do you feel like, oh, shit, what do I do now? I, I don't mean to put felt, you on the spotlight. No, like it's that, totally you know? fine. I felt so fucking ready. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like finally. Time, yeah. I was ready six years okay. ago. Look. I really did. I okay. mean, I hate to say that, but I did. I mean, I also felt confident, like I said, because Sarah and I had been writing. Like, we had been in the trenches together. I had been rewriting these scripts from the first season. So I knew how to make an yeah. episode of Unreal. Like that was unfortunate in some ways because it wasn't a new show. Like I just written the pilot right, and now right. you're like, Oh my God, is there a series in right. this? I don't even yeah, know. Right, 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 right. Um, like I knew I'd been doing it. I knew I could continue to do it. Right. And I was excited to get the chance to, um, you know, to, to, to be the final decision maker, okay. you know? Um, and so, um, so we had to pick up on a lot of we didn't have to. I mean, a lot of big plot points that happened in season 2 that were somewhat controversial. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, I was reading okay. about you last night. I was like, "Oh, okay. shit, what y'all didn't yeah. do okay. that?" Yeah. And um and but I didn't feel story-wise that I could just pretend that those things right. hadn't happened, right. you know? And I suppose that would have been a way to go, but I just felt that I I needed to do what I feel is right as a writer, which is to sit in the hearts and minds of those characters right. and think, okay, well, where would you go from here, given that those big things have happened? Mm-hmm. And and I didn't think that we had really had time to explore on an emotional and psychological level like what the after effects of these big plot points were. So that was a great opportunity to get to kind of dig in and mm-hmm. do a deeper um psychological dive into into the plot stuff. But then also, you know, on Unreal Every season is almost like writing a pilot because you have a new suitor, as we call it, instead of bachelor, mm-hmm. but a new suitor or suitress in this case, <laughs> as we have a woman for the first time. And you sort of have every season is kind of thematically about something else. You right. know, like last second season was the first, um, you know, African American suitor, and so then thematically it was you know a lot about that and race. And so for the third season. Um, you know, I, I knew we had talked about doing a, a sutras of a woman um, for a while, but I was really interested in looking at the gender politics of mm-hmm. smart, strong, um, successful career women who are finding it really <coughs> hard to find a man. Right. And it was a personal Lisa, story. This is the perfect for me. show for you. <laughs> I can't imagine that. Um, you can add your sci-fi to that, right? <laughs> <laughs> Um, but, um, you know, I was 37 when I met my husband. I mm-hmm. definitely thought, like, it's probably not going to happen for me. I'm not going to get married. I'm not going to have kids. Right. And that's okay because, like, my career is going pretty well. But I also knew, like, I was pretty sad about it and mm-hmm. really was 
wondering like why is that happening and everything and so um, touch you on the set all day you're working you got all no time, time girl you got other packers <laughs> you got other packers <laughs> but um but so that's who she is she's right. a strong successful career woman who Serena is her name who has decided to come on a reality show because it's sort of come to this like what mm-hmm. the hell you know mm-hmm. why not I've tried everything else and even more so she became like an avatar for Rachel and Quinn to sort right. of protect their own issues about right. being smart strong single women <laughs> onto. And so the whole season is really about gender politics mm-hmm. and, and how we relate as men and women and what it is for women to be a woman today and, and who are you supposed to be and how are you supposed to be and who are you supposed to be with, if anyone. So mm-hmm. um, so that was a really exciting thing to get to to explore. And I knew, like I said, it was personal, but I also felt very mm-hmm. strongly that this was you know, an interesting subject just the gender politics of it right. and I fought hard for it man mm. because this was at that time like we pitched the idea for the feminist sutras and the se- season back before Donald Trump was president oh, right. so it was so people always say you copy okay. it but like no, yeah, we're, we're ahead so of that you were ahead of it yeah and we so everyone in Hollywood thought Hillary was going to win right? right and so there was some hesitation going like, really? Is this really like going to be relevant? Like, we're about to have a female president. Like, aren't smart, strong women? Don't we celebrate them now? And I was like, oh, I don't think Wait so, so it. much. Yeah. And then the dark and night of the soul <laughs> happened. <laughs> See, okay, this is, it's interesting that people were thinking that because I, you know, my whole theory with this thing with Obama is that it sparked a level of racist backlash that we hadn't seen prior to that. And mm-hmm. I kept saying to myself, What's going to be the anti-feminist backlash if Hillary, you know, like wins? Well, was, I think I mean, we saw it even when she was on the yeah. campaign trail. Yeah, 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 yeah we you did, know. we yeah. did, but I think it would have been worse. Yeah. You know, it would have been a lot. I mean, well, not worse than what it is now with with your boy, but <laughs> it's but it would have been like boy. it would have <laughs> been <laughs> trouble. Not my boy, but um, but I think is I I mean I I think it's true. I mean I it was the vitriol that she received on the campaign trail that made me fight even harder for it. And there's a line in the first episode where Rachel says to Serena, you're smart, pretty, and successful. Half yeah. of America already they hates hate you. you. Yep. Oh, and, that's a good line. You know, yeah. That's a good line. Yeah. So yeah. that's where that was from. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I do feel, just on the Hillary Trump thing, is that, like, in some ways, the way that Trump speaks about women right. was the whole reason that the whole Me Too movement and Time's Up movement has come, because it was just like that network moment. It's like, I am mad as hell, and I'm mm-hmm. not going to take it anymore. Yes. You know, and that anger really just exploded, and, and, and these women, such, such brave women, finally, you know, came forward and were talking about things that we've all known for so long, and and we wrote about it, you right. know, mm-hmm. not... I wish we could have. I wish we could say that we were prescient and we knew the time was coming. And all of this, like, we really they got the ESPN, okay, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but we, uh, you know, and and so it, it the like when I say the whole season's about gender politics, it's very much also about women in Hollywood. Yeah, this right. thing I was talking about about yeah. men taking the credit for yes, you. Yes, yes. It's that. pulling back the curtain. Yeah, doing yeah. All that. yeah. How hard it is um, for Quinn um, to recover from sort of a, the embarrassment of the season before, right. and how hard, how much harder it is for women to make mistakes right. and and get a second. Chance. Exactly. Um, Men fell up. <laughs> women, you get one chance, and then you're done. Right. Wow. It's, and 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 then it hurts all other women. Exactly. 
Like, oh, we gave her that chance right. to right. direct. Right. But to Whatever. Me, I, I still, it still bothers me because it's, it's kind of like, well, we gave her that one person right. that I'm like, you know what? <laughs> She Let's represents everybody. Like, we should get a sample. <laughs> yes, before we and can get, get an that. aggregate of You know, numbers. we can get like 10 <laughs> women this. and yeah. this is the right. yeah. It's but hard know, to find a sample of yeah. 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 Again, I'll just, since I said before, I, I just so believe this. It's like they, the, the way things are is that they get these like really, really smart, like these gold women for silver situations. You know, because it's just kind of like, well, if it goes bad, then you know we got this. There's there's already some scapegoating that's a, that's available to that's us. You there's know? the gold women for silver situation. Mm-hmm. That's nice. I like you know, that. That's some bars um, right there. Chris. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, it's, I mean, and, you got to use that girl. Go ahead. It's all you. So, it's, <laughs> so, so I, 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 it's it's interesting. I mean, like. It, like I find all that interesting. I think mm-hmm. that's the kind of stuff that we should see a lot. Uh, I mean, it's. I think it'd be interesting to see that more, you know. Yes. I, and I just because it, there's not enough. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Cold water. There's not enough cold water thrown mm-hmm. on the situation to wake people up to what's what's happening, you know. Because mm-hmm. I, because you know, it's like you said that these these women who are who were victims of Harvey Weinstein and these other people, it's like. Everybody knew that for so long, just yeah. didn't speak, and it was right. like, you know, why? Because you were never shocked to have to speak, right? You know? And uh, it, 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 trying it was, to go, it deep was, on you in there. No, it's no, it was normal. <laughs> like that was the normal. Right. And then yeah. all of a sudden, people are like, "Oh, it's not normal anymore." Like, no, it's never been normal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, got, you had to speak on that, so. right? Yeah. Right. And there's tremendous fear, of yes. course. You know, yeah. that's um, that's the biggest thing. I mean, you know, we were talking the other night about this, and and to and like. As bad as I mean, I saw the women who, who like who got raped and stuff like that. But it's just like these women who got their career kind of cut short. It's just mm-hmm. like because it's crazy because you sit there and you watch and you're a fan of someone and it's like, what happened? Yeah, you know, and you're like, right. what's with the movie? And then yo, did they just choose one bad film and then that's it's it's this they just nosedive for them yeah. something like that? Yeah. But then you hear, oh no, it's not that. Yeah, yeah. and each yeah. of those women, I feel like we've heard the rumors of like, oh, they're crazy, right? Don't work with them. You don't want to cast yes. them. They're crazy. And like, where I'm are those of, stories? I'm thinking of Sean right. Young back Start. in the day. Yeah. Right. yeah. And, and, and so when we staff, just mm-hmm. getting you know to that, um, that comes up with writers too. You'll right. hear things like, oh, she's crazy. She's right. crazy. And it was something that I used to sort of accept and say, oh, good. This person is helping me you know, weed out sure. the bad people sure. or whatever. But now I really try to track down those stories mm. and say, well, what exactly? Because all I know is this rumor of whatever, mm-hmm. you know, but let me read them and let mm-hmm. me meet them and let me see. And, you know, of course you do want to fill your room with, you know, no asshole policy right. and all of those right. things and just in- incredibly smart, creative people. Um, so so you, you, you don't want jerks around. Right. But at the same time, I just am very suspicious now of right. those stories where I, where I hear, oh, she's particularly of women, I have to say. Yes. But um, she's crazy. She's difficult. She's whatever. I really try to track down those things. Especially when they use now. those same coded words all the right. time. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, oh, she's a bitch. Oh, she's diff- she's And when you hear mm-hmm. those, I'm like... Give me some specificity. Yeah. <laughs> if not, as Monique says, like, give us some names, give us right. some facts, or leave it on the playground. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see Shauna's tweet uh, out to, like, Hollywood men? She's like, stop calling them smart women. 
all yeah, women we're all are smart. smart. Right, right, right. <laughs> I mean, I appreciate that, even though like our whole season is talking about these <laughs> right. smart, strong women. But we're sort of making a very big distinction because oftentimes on The Bachelor, which is sort of the show that we're talking about, these women are much more demure. It's a mm-hmm. much more it's a much more demure definition of femininity, and they never talk about their jobs, even if they're a lawyer. Like there's been a lawyer, I think, on the right, show, but she right. never talks about it. It's like I love kids, I love to bake. <laughs> You know, and it's like what um, she's doing is pretty much having to hide her strength and hide Mm. her ambition and hide these other qualities um, that I find incredibly attractive. But to, I guess, a large portion of America, that is not what a woman is. And Mm -hmm. that's not what a woman is supposed to be. That's not an attractive quality. And that's the thing that I think we have to change. And that's what I'm hoping we're doing. You know, I, I don't it's it's. When you saw, you know, that backlash against Hillary, it's incredibly depressing. It's hard to know what to do about right. it. Of course, getting people to vote and educating people, and that's a huge part of it. But all I can do as a writer is write stories about these kinds right. of women right. and try to get you inside their hearts and minds and to understand them um, more and hopefully make them less scary <laughs> to America. And, you know, Glenn was the person who taught me... Because you get all the time the likability note, particularly yeah. with women, and right. can you make her more likable? And um, and that's it's because well, queen character to, could be bitchy horrible. to the yeah. Horrible. degree, yeah. Right. But and you so, still love her, yeah. And I mean, yeah. some of it is like a wish fulfillment thing that right. she talks the way you all wish you could talk right. to your boss right. or people you work with. But the other part of it, and and part of it, of course, is just how wonderful Constance Zimmer is. That right. She's not like a one-note, you mm-hmm. know, bitch. Right. But we've also really tried to write vulnerability for her. And that was the right. thing that I learned from Glenn. He said, don't take away their bad decisions or their mm-hmm. bad actions. Give them vulnerability. That's mm-hmm. the way to make them more likable. And I think it's it's true. Like, That's a t-shirt. They you know, should write that down. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but I think, you know, even with Walter White, who's sort of the, the, the most famous sure. example these days that people use for the anti-hero, it's like in the pilot, he you understood why he was doing what exactly. he was doing. He had cancer. He was trying to help his family. Yeah. Like, you got that. And... Um, and and so you you're on his side. He's the rooting interest until yeah. you go. Well, maybe this has gone too far. Right. You know? <laughs> right. Um, which is what I hope people are doing with Quinn and Rachel right. too. You know, it's constantly like you're rooting for them, and then you're going, "Oh God, is right. this too far?" Because that's gonna also be the end. it's going to be the end. Yeah, and that's very much a part of what we're trying to do too. Is talk about reality television yeah. and sort of yes, pull back the curtain and just say how destructive or to show hopefully how destructive Mm -hmm. it really is to our culture and to the people who work on the show Mm -hmm. Um, but those of us who are watching it and what it's what it's doing to us so hopefully you think they go too far all (laughs) the time can we just talk about how your your writer's room because I know you have mainly you know a female well, uh, it's staff? actually people always think Is that, that not but true? it's no. It's for the fourth season, it was fifty fifty, oh, and nice. for the third season, it was um, five women and three men. Okay. So, um, so it's always um, there have always been men, and um, and thank God, and mm-hmm. not just to write the male characters, <laughs> um, but I mean, listen, they're great men, and right. they're men who are interested, at least you know, willing, but I also think interested in exploring some of these issues about women. Um, uh, uh, in in their writing, but it's great to have yeah. diverse points of view. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I can just give you an example. So also in the third season, so so Rachel revealed at the end of the second season that she had been raped when she was twelve years old right. by one of her mother's patients. Her mother's a psychiatrist, and um, 
That's a lot to unpack. And so in the third season, Quinn brings in what we call a real ass shrink. Like there's always been a shrink. A real ass shrink. She's kind of like, yeah. But a real ass shrink. Uh, That's how people talk about. I like that. Yeah. And he (laughs) helps her sort of confront the truth about some of the things that she has done on the show. But also, where does that darkness come from? And she sort of has her own hashtag me too moment mm-hmm. and she starts to go back and to find the guy mm-hmm. and um and confront him. And I can't tell you the number of conversations we had about who this guy is hmm. and how he should be and what he should say and what he should look like and everything. And it's I mean, these are tricky conversations because right. you're talking about a twelve year old girl. Mm-hmm. She lied and told him she was 17, but even so, that is still underage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was 12. She was 12. She right. was 12. That's the thing. Wow. And, okay, and so, 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 so the scenario is different because she's saying she's 17. Mm-hmm. That's, that's part of the reason that we do all that is to make it not, not a, so it's, it's not easy. It's so, not so black and white for, because, you know, there's always, I mean, there's, you know, there's that, that like that situation happens. You meet these guys who are kind of, kind of like, they look to get women who are like 17, 18. Well, they like 18. them young. Yeah, sure. They, 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 they look to, you know, but now she's pretend. I mean, that's like, that's wild. Yeah. That's mm. wild. So that, yeah, it really sparked a lot of, a lot of heated conversations and great conversations. And I'm so glad to have had them, right. you know? Um, so, but in the staffing, I can just say, you know, so we had some people who um, have been with the show from the beginning, oh, okay. um, who I've loved working with from the beginning. And then, um, yeah, we had to hire, you know, some new people. Like what, do, what do you look for in a script when you're, when you're staffing? Um, I'm sure you get this all. Just yeah. I'm doing it for the, the audience. No, totally. After. So, I, I mean, some of them are going to sound like cliches because mm-hmm. I do look to be grabbed in the first few pages. Right. And um, I like a real point of view. So um, it, it, that can be in terms of um, the character or a new world that I haven't right. seen. Um, but... but <clears throat> You know, look, Unreal is at the same time that we have these deeper psychological, emotional journeys. <laughs> they're also like a shit ton of OMG moments right. all the yeah. time, big pots. Yeah. And it's like, okay, so put one of those in your first five right. pages. Right, you know? right. And, um, but then I do care about um, structure and things like that. Like, I, I look for someone who's going to make my life easier. Right. Um, and okay, have, we not, have we not said this in the past That's before? It's like, your job <laughs> is to, to make, make your boss and right. make everybody's job easier. <laughs> Yeah. And it makes you stand out. Thank you for saying yeah. that. But that helps yeah. with knowing what yeah. your superpower yes. is. Yes, thank you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, um, so, and and most of the time you're not reading the whole script. Right. I have to say. I mean, that is the sign to me of a great script is if yeah. I'm like I want to know what happens. <laughs> and it's interesting to look at that in different genres. Like, um, like let's just take a show like The Affair, for example. Mm-hmm. Okay, where um, which when is it a first, slow burn, but right. But when it first came out, and right. I saw the pilot, and I sort of been told what it was about was just like it's this look at, a, at an affair mm-hmm. from two points of view right. from the guy's point of view and the girl's point of view and I was like oh that's really cool but then when I saw it on top of it there's like this police right. investigation and, yeah. on top of thing and I was like really did mm-hmm. we really have to do that and and I knew why because I've pitched enough shows that are just character or relationship right. based and they say like well what's the story engine the world yeah. isn't big yeah. enough the world yeah. isn't big yeah. enough yeah. I think that right. we need to have more yeah. stuff to exactly. make it exactly yeah. and yet right. and yet right. 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 I was pulled along by the mission history of who died yes. and who did it. Right. Yes. And so I I know when I'm reading a spec script that there is an element 
of mystery is right. often the thing that gets me to read to the end. Right. Because I want to go. Know. Yeah. Bingo. And that doesn't have to be in terms of a murder investigation. No, right. right. But it's like you want to find out like what's the secret right. that's right. been hinted at right. in the first five pages. Or what's up with is this character? Right. Who yeah. is this what person? Makes this character Why are they doing this? Yeah. You know what? Right. It's like there's a pilot my brother and I are working on this other pilot and the notes we were kept getting back on people were I don't know about this world that you're talking about because mm-hmm. it's like it's set. It's like it's 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 gearing up to be a world that we've never seen on television. Um, and everyone's like, put that now. Put this put this in this the pot in the pot. I was like, no, 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 no. If you are so adamant about seeing it, right. Mm-hmm. Come back episode two. Well, it's a very <laughs> fine line. I mean, I think it's very, very tricky because I do think you have a very finite amount of time to right. hook people. Thank and, you. And right. so, but we talk time. about the rule like a I little bit, time. like like it, it opens up with like a two page montage, okay. kind of explaining what the rule is going to be that we're going to get into. Okay, and then there's a little moment, maybe like near the end. So you, so so there, you're in it a little bit yeah. to know what it's going to be. Yeah, you know, but it like starts it starts place in Miami, and then it's going to go to another country in the next se- in the next episode, and they're like, oh, you need to go to the next. Country now, oh, it's like no, 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 yeah, we're not yeah. doing that now. We're not <laughs> doing that now. Yeah. yeah, there's a little bit of you know, yeah, cock teasing is something you need to right, do. Right, right, but, right. But, but uh, I, I, I bring it because it's the mystery because 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 they kept mm-hmm. saying we've never seen this world and we want to see it now. We want to see. But see, that's the-, the thing is that you have to have enough. You have to do the mystery with enough of a reveal at the end of the pilot that you go, oh, "That's cool," but that also contains a "What next?" Right, so yeah, kind of a right, right. right. And that's tricky, man. That's really tricky. Can I ask you what as a showrunner? What takes you out of story? You talk about things that you like. So, what are some things that we can give some of our our baby writers out there? Like, you're reading this. Hey, you're a potential writer to come on your show, and you're reading their script. What's the first thing that takes you out? Like, uh, ding ding, no. Well, mostly boredom. <laughs> <laughs> so that would just be like I've read this a million right, times right, before. Right, you right. Know. If somebody wakes up and hits that clock one more time, I swear to God, uh-huh. yeah. that same beat. <laughs> and it's like, but it can be different. Like you could have a cop show, and people are just talking differently right. from the, the way they talk, or the character is a different character than the person mm-hmm. you've seen normally. So that can be interesting or different. So mm-hmm. mostly boredom. There's not. I mean, look, I'm annoying enough that I hate typos and things like that. Right, but it's right. like, you know. Um, but that, I wouldn't stop. I, I would think less of the person, I have to say. Right, <laughs> there were right. typos. I would say, have your friends right. you know, proofread it. But mostly it's boredom mm-hmm. that gets me to stop. Right. And then, um, and you know, look, I'll be honest. It is what I've been told about the person that gets me excited too. Mm-hmm. And what gets me excited is if they're excited about Unreal. Right. Um, and it's just because you know you're going to be there. Like, look, breaking story is hard, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you're going to be there and it's going to be frustrating, especially when you're dealing with notes upon notes upon notes and you got to go back and you got to rebreak it and everything. And you just want people who want to be there and mm-hmm. are really thrilled and will be there till. I mean, we don't work long hours because now I do have two young kids. But mm-hmm. but if it takes it until, you know, whatever time at night with a smile on their face mm-hmm. to break it, like, I mean, that's what you want. I still feel, and like I said, it took me a long time to get into this business, to make in this business. I wanted it. I think it's the most fun job in the world to get to write and make television. Um, And I want people who feel the same way, Mm -hmm. you know, and who are that excited. And um, it's very easy to get jaded in this business. Mm -hmm. And um, I just want us all to tap into that part of us that was like when we were kids, like, let's make it. Let's make a show. Let's do this. And, And to get to talk about 
the kinds of issues that we're talking about on Unreal is really exciting, mm-hmm. you know. And I, and I've worked on enough shows where we haven't gotten to do that that I know the difference, especially right. with know? the stuff that you guys are dealing with is so timely. You know, it's like so. Like it's happening so you guys, in real time. You guys are staying current in pop culture and like everything, like that. Well, that, like that, almost by accident, though, yeah. because like season three was completely done by August right. of two, of last year. So it was before there was hashtag Me Too, before there was Times Up, right. before we were talking about women in Hollywood. Your, your to the episode with the black we guys were. get pulled over by the cops. I mean, well, that. and that was you know, yeah, that was a decision was to badass. be you know right. timely. And 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 Sarah. And Marty, you know, sort of felt like they had a platform for, from right. the success of the first season, and we should take on something big and culturally relevant. And right. there was right. nothing more culturally relevant, right. really, um, than that. And and look, it was controversial because it's like, is it our story to tell? Is mm-hmm. it the story for a couple of white chicks? To yeah, tell? but you did it from the you did it for her point of view. <laughs> well, that though. was right. what was always That's the why, intention. Right. That right. was what was always the intention. Right. Was sort of the privileged white girl having this grandiose idea right. that she was going to, you know, expose police brutality, mm-hmm, right. you know, um, and and how awry that went. That mm-hmm. was always the intention, you know. And, look, there was a lot of big swings taken in the mm-hmm. in the story, and, and I do admire that, mm-hmm. you know, much more, like I say, the boredom is the killer. So yeah. it's like if you just coast and you do something safe, like, What's the point, really? That's so difficult, because one of the things we talk about, to a lot of the shows that we watch, whether we're streaming shows or Netflix, like, that's the big clicker for me. It's like, if it's boredom, like, I'll tell you the the most recent thing that actually got me hooked within the first, like, three minutes of it. I'm like, okay, I'm going to watch the show. We're going to binge. It's it's seven seconds. Okay. Because that opening, and it's the way it's written, because it could have been overwritten, Mm -hmm. and if you guys haven't seen it, I'm not going to spoil it, but there's a, the, the opening scene that kind of starts the whole story where something happens and then the other characters come in and it's the way the writing and the sparse dialogue and just, I was hooked. Because usually fun. those type of situations where it's like, oh, you're overdoing it. Now y'all talking way too much. There were things <laughs> that told me about characters with just a nod, a look, right. a couple of words. And I'm like, damn it, these are some fucking good actors. Like, mm-hmm. this is going to be a show. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to put this in my queue and save this for the good snacks. What are the good snacks? You know, get the binge watch. You know? <laughs> I mean, this is it's exactly the right. The show is it's binge like worthy. We, we were just right. talking about, like, Alter Carbon and Babylon mm-hmm. Berlin. And the first thing about Babylon Berlin that grabbed me was, you know, it starts off and there's, like, this hand is... is, is Oh, the opening shot. Yeah, yeah right. the, the opening shot is his hand, like it's in front of the camera. Yeah, and then it cuts back to, and you see there's a guy. He's holding his hand up to someone, and he's hypnotizing him. And he's like, "Okay, now take your eyes down and walk me back." And then the next, and then the credit sequence, everything is all these crazy ass events, but everything is played in reverse, like the like it's reverse speed. And I was like. I've never seen that. So there's like a, a there's a mm. guy's head that's broken through a glass and it comes back through. And you're like, oh, and everything is doing that. And I was like, this guy, who's a filmmaker I love, this guy named Tom Twiker, I was like, this guy, he's ready to take us on a journey. Right. And he's showing us it's gonna be a wild journey. And yes, it's it's Berlin in nineteen twenty nine, but not the way you've ever the seen it. The way you've seen it. it. And I was right. like, And he I'm knows it. and I think a lot of T V folks and film folks now know like our attention, we don't. We have so much stuff that we can choose from now. We're not bullshitting with y'all no more. You've got only a few minutes, and then we're on to the next thing. And right. you've got to do something that's going to grab us. Now we can do the slow burn and eventually slow it down a little right. bit. But damn it, those first ten minutes. I'm telling y'all, I'm, if you don't get me in the first 10 minutes... Especially in TV, and you're, and you're saying it as Especially a... Especially on TV, a, I'm moving. And, and, and Stacey's saying it as, as a showrunner, they 
read in the reading, the yeah, five ten pages. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I mean, I, depending on who you are, yeah, you know? totally. And I would add to that because I think you know, if, if I were a young writer hearing that, mm-hmm. I would go to my computer and be like, oh gosh, what am I going to write that no right. one's seen before? And yeah, in, in in sci-fi or another world or you know, alternate reality, it's sometimes easier to think with that. But right. what I find is that um, writing from a very personal place is unusual, right. mm-hmm. um, and so it doesn't have to be. And and and, and it's and, a feeling you get sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. And if I feel like I'm I'm hearing something that's sort of like scratched from their soul, mm-hmm. that's great. And that and that can be in present day in right. settings that we've seen before, right. but there is something about it that has a raw emotional truth and mm-hmm. that will grab me because then I know you're not just like doing it for right. the pay. And it doesn't right. have to be big, like I said, it doesn't have to be a big action explosion stuff no, like that. Those small moments, it's just mm-hmm. something that engages you and just hooks you in. Right. And and sometimes those small things are the things that like for seven seconds it's just a small thing mm-hmm. that becomes a bigger thing, right. but it's just something about it that puts me in that place. Like shit, I've been in those situations, mm-hmm. and this could have been that. And oh right. my god, like what is this guy gonna do? And oh, what's going on? And I'm already there, right. you know. And you didn't have a big, you didn't have all this crazy, you know, sci-fi. So it's just those simple things about the character and engagement that I don't. It's just. I don't know. People have to master that because it's going to be hard. Like I said, there's so much content and so many platforms for people to see stuff now that you're really, I mean, even the big people, the big shows, Mm -hmm. you're not, just because you're on a big network or you're a big, that's not enough anymore. People Mm -hmm. don't even care. I mean, I was thinking of uh, uh, yesterday when they had the Spirit Awards and I was thinking about Dee Reese's speech Mm -hmm. when she was talking about, because a lot of people were saying, well, Mudbound would have did better if it had been in the movie theaters and it was on Netflix, so it's not real cinema. I'm like, oh no, (laughs) oh no, no. And they were saying stuff like that. Like, well, we didn't really think of it because it's not really real. And it's like, no, it's those characters, those engagement. Because I just recently, Rewatch my bound. I just thought to myself, "Oh my God, I'm just in love with Garrett Hedlund. <laughs> why is he so sexy? Why is he not in more things?" Right. But it was just like those. I, you know, it's just. But the movie was in the theaters. I mean, it I mean, did. Yeah, it but it wasn't like strong release. Right. See, for mean, those people who need to just, have that experience in well, the theater. Yeah, I mean, look, that's. I mean, that, that to me was the thing about that movie that when I turned it on on Netflix. And I'm watching that scene, and they're, you know, and they're digging the grave, and it's like the night, it's like the, whatever right. dawn's mm-hmm. coming, and I'm almost like, I got to see this in the theater now. Yeah. And I turned it off, and I was like, and, and oh, good for you. And I waited wow. for a screening. Real you know, cinephile. You know, like, <laughs> well, if you're a real cinephile, you'd be like me and have an LCD projector, which I want to and you could put it up there. Because that's what I did. The first time I was right. like, I said, you know what, the second time, boop. I don't my have a 40-foot wall in my house. <laughs> so, you ain't got to have a 40-foot yes, wall. You no, you don't. Yes, you do. I lay up in my bed a little nine with feet. a little wall right there, right. my little thing, and I sit there, me and my dog, sitting there watching the movies, <laughs> and it's like, that is the theater experience, my speakers. You, right. have, to, you, have, to, you have to finagle that. You got you to gotta make it do what it is. You got to come to 2018. You got to come, yes. I, I mean, look, look, look. Like, I was... Wakandan the, people got it like that. <laughs> like, what was the movie... Uh, it comes from a ring now. Just bang on. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, here's my one of my movies right now. Okay, so I'll tell you a story. So I used to go to the Chinese theater a lot when right. I first came out here, and I, and I loved that theater. And then when it got renovated and I was living on the west side, I, I, I just stopped going. Um, but when I went to see uh, some movie that was oh, – it's, it's only like okay movie, Doctor Strange, right? That was right. the first movie I saw there since it was, since it was renovated. Okay. I think the previous film by I last seen there was Training Day. Mm-hmm. So it had been a really, really long time. Yeah. And I was like, this IMAX experience with this massive screen everything like this, this is like – like this is cinema – it felt like the first time I watched like Lawrence of Arabia in 70 million. Wow. Wow. It, was like, it was like, I'm in. 
Right. It's like the experience, like like there's not. It's it's so immersive mm-hmm. to me. Now, granted, that's that type of film, but I was like, but that's what you can't get at your house because you can. You know, you know what? Because your walls aren't that big. <laughs> no how big your crew your projector is? You're not going to disrespect degrees like that. I will talk to you afterwards. You knock if you buck. You can frogish. We handed it outside. So look, You're not going to talk to my girl like that. So before we wrap up, Stacey, yeah. would you give the kids any little trickities, any advice? Well, from a writing standpoint, yes, yeah. So I would say yes, write from an incredibly personal place and make it fucking exciting. Because yes. I will tell you, that nip-tuck spec that, um, that Glenn read, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it was, 15 years ago or something like that now, he told me specifically what it was that sort of drew him in, and it was this... You know, turn on a turn, you know, fantasy that's, it's like someone's kids masturbating, you think it's this, but then Mm -hmm. someone else walks in again and that's like a fantasy on a fantasy. But it's like, it's entertainment, you know what I mean? So give me both. Give me both your soul Mm -hmm. and the, oh my God, moments um, that I want. And, And I like that, you know, I mean, these days, some of those things get bad names like soapy. Oh, it's very soapy, you know, and I don't. I don't really like that because if 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 you, what you mean by soapy is like surprising relationship right. turns, um, great. You right. know, it's all about like what is the casing that it's right. playing. So right. if you have something to say that comes from your soul, if I feel like I'm reading something that started in your diary mm-hmm. and then is presented in an exciting way, God bless you. I'm right. in, I'm in for the duration. Nice. Oh, that's game right there. <laughs> nice. I like that. I like that. Nice. Uh, little little thing. Um, shout out to. Talisha sitting over here, Smith, your PR rep. <laughs> she always she always brings me her cool clients. I appreciate it. Um, um, so, are you on Twitter? Or I'm on Twitter? Twitter at Little Rook, L I T T L E R U K E. I'm the youngest of three sisters. That's why I'm Little Rook. <laughs> That's our rap name. That's anyway. our rap name. Little Rook. <laughs> Mixtape coming soon. Exactly. That would be fantastic. <laughs> and do you know when season four drops? I don't know when season four drops. So season three is on right now. Season. Uh, Episode two of season three is on, okay. um, on on Monday night, and season four we are waiting to see. It's, it's okay. wild to have so much in the bag, but um, mm. hopefully soon. Well, you guys are way ahead. Yeah. Well, it was really nice. They um, they ordered a season four before they even saw how season three did with the critics or, or in the ratings, and that was an incredible. That's good. You ran in the show. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> she got that. She got that sprinkle juice. Where you at, Chris? I am at uh, DerekBrothers.com, ShadowboxerCinema.net uh, is my website, and then um, Unauthorized Media, I'm sorry, Unauthorized CBD on Twitter and cool. Instagram. Lisa, Lisa, Cold Jam? Um, you can find me on Twitter. You know, I'm a Twitter fiend. I'm always on Twitter. You can find me at... Uh, this is the one you want at uh, your show. And right since here. you mentioned my girl, Dorothy <clears throat> Parker, uh, my handle is what fresh hell is this? That is my handle. So you can find me on there. Um, you can also find my latest piece on Sci-Fi Wire where I'm talking about the Black Panther movie screening that we did in San Diego. And you can find me at Bitch Flicks where I write film criticism. And um, yeah, but most of the time you can find me on Twitter. And shout out to some folks I get ready to see in two weeks down in Orlando, for ICFA, the International Conference for the Fantastic and the Arts, where yes. basically it's just me and a bunch of my writer friends, <laughs> and we listen to like academics talk about our work and make us sound like we're really smart. <laughs> but really, it's just a, it's just an inexpensive place for us to get together and party and just be a bunch of sci-fi nerds okay. who write and publish a lot of stuff and just hang out and Thank steal ideas. <clears throat> and I'm your host, Hilliard Guest. Mm-hmm. You guys can find me on Twitter at Hilliard Guest. You can follow the show, Screenwriters. Okay. <laughs> I say Twitter like I'm cool. 
Uh, you can follow the show, Screenwriters RR, on Twitter. Um, any questions, screenwritersrantroom at gmail.com. Um, please follow us, you know, share, um, go on iTunes, give us a five star review, or, or Google, Google, Apple. Docs, whatever the fuck it is. iTunes. Apple, Apple Podcasts, all that bullshit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> whatever. I can't even think straight. Um, yeah, a lot, a lot of shit going on. I'm in prep right now to shoot, so I'm crazy. Um, Which is always good. Yeah, so things <laughs> are good. Things good, are good. Yes. Things are good. 2018 starting out to be a really, really good year. Me and Chris got some shit going on. It's going to jump. Hey, and good luck to all the nominees, not to jump in to cut you off, oh, but all the nominees tonight for, because you know tonight's the Oscars. Yeah. So, so this will uh, air next week, but yeah. yeah. So just just so you yeah. know, we put some good luck. Well, on we didn't it. even do an Oscar show this year. This is the I know, first but time you know ever. what? There, like, I'm be honest with you. There were a lot of material out there yeah. that I wasn't that impressed with. And honestly, I actually haven't even seen all the movies. And honestly, the I'm probably not going to watch it tonight, but I am going to check in to see if D runs for best. Uh, I think it's best adapted screenplay, screenplay. and okay. see if Get Out gets it. So I'll probably come in the end, the tail end. Okay, cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Wow. So, everybody join with us. Y'all know how we do it on the rant room. On the show, we keep it real. Mm-hmm. We keep it opinionated. We do the hand move. We too. keep it what, everybody? What? 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 Oh, yes, black people. 2018. Uh, Peace, y'all. Ciao. I'ma say what I feel. And I promise to keep it real. Welcome to the rant room. Till your fears are diminishing, the doubts are behind ya It's hard to grind in the business, got me stressed in the rent room We let that shit up off our chest You know the street nerds got no time for no caca Sass in class, yes that's Mr. Bolakaja Never have to guess when you're listening to Hilliard He gon' bring more game than a shark playing billiards It's all about the crap of screenwriting It's exciting when you turn an outline into something enlightening Your pen and words are like bullets in a gun Write what you feel, say what you want Welcome to the rent room